everyone and welcome to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories that's making headlines. I, as you may be able to tell, hopefully, am not your usual podcast host, Sophie Parrott, who is taking a week off. I'm actually Kieran Howes, the deputy editor, and I have the utmost pleasure of being joined by the one and only Dan Cave, who is, of course, head of content at Executive Breakdown Digital Media today. So, Dan, I guess first things first, tell me what's been happening this week and what has caught your eye in the world of HR. Thank you for that introduction, Kieran. There's a lot of pressure to keep, to keep up with that. So World of HR as ever, I guess, has been really busy. There are, of course, I'm sure this is caught HR's eye, ongoing arguments about remote work pay, specifically cutting it with one unnamed government minister saying some remote workers should take a pay cut as they're no longer paying for commuting, etc. I think this follows on from an argument that started brewing last year where Deutsche Bank reports that actually we should be taxing remote workers more. I'm sure HR has some opinions on that. We're still reporting in this day and age, it still staggers me every time we do this, about allegations of toxic culture where HR departments were not seen to be taking harassment claims seriously. This surprises me, as you'll know, Kieran, because I harp on about it a lot, that you're actually doing your company damage in the long term if you're trying to suppress these allegations or not taking them seriously, because it will come out in the wash. People have access to social media. They'll ring up journalists such as ourselves to talk about this stuff. So again, shocking behaviour there. Uh, and that came out of Activision. And of course, I think news that caught my eye, Deloitte are rolling out a global L&D programme to over 300,000 staff, which is which is incredible, that aims to explain climate change a bit more and give their employees skills to deal with this topic within the business to help the business going future in this uncertain and changeable world. I think that's a really, really good point to jump into what is going to be the discussion topic for this week's pod, isn't it, Kieran? So why is it that we're talking about climate this week on the HR Grapevine podcast? Yes, indeed, Dan. It's almost as if we planned it. So the the key topic that we're discussing here is this new landmark report that was published by the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Try saying that after a few shandies or the IPCC, as I guess we'll refer to it from now on. So this report was on the current climate emergency, uh, which it called a code red for humanity. And the report basically projects that the world will cross what it called a, a crucial temperature threshold as early as 2030, up to a decade sooner than previously thought, and showed that greenhouse gas emissions needed to be halved to limit the global warming to essentially under catastrophic levels. As a result, it's obviously been gaining very widespread attention from global political leaders and business leaders alike. So Prime Minister Boris Johnson called the news sobering, whilst upon the release of the data, President Biden tweeted, the signs are unmistakable, the science is undeniable, and the cost of inaction keeps mounting. Those are some very daunting words there. And I guess one question is, 
And this is before we get into what HR's role might be in mitigating or managing work and people in a world in which science is telling us that climate change will inarguably change. Dan, can you walk us through some of the impacts that that might have? Yeah, so I don't want to paint too dystopian a picture, and we're probably not the right podcast to go into all the impacts of climate change. I'm sure everybody is aware. We see like sea levels rising, bigger town pools of rain, as we're having in August right now, rising rising carbon dioxide levels, et cetera, et cetera. It's all laid out in that report, and I'm sure loads of mainstream news outlets are reporting on that. We're interested in how that's going to affect business and work, right? So the IPCC, again, I'm not even going to go for the full name there, Kieran, the the, the four-letter acronym is enough for me. They're saying that it will require immediate rapid and large-scale reductions, humanity, in the way that we put, I guess, toxic things into the atmosphere. Of course, that means big changes how to how we go about our personal lives, but how business is conducted too. It's really obvious that climate change is going to have an impact on supply chains and the way that business is conducted but it also affects people and work i mean already we've seen news images of flooded tube stations that's going to impact the commute right we're seeing what uh, psychologists are calling increasingly widespread eco-anxiety that affects the well-being of your workers so for hr and for business leaders there's going to be specific things to manage people at work, from the practicalities of how work is done, to working structures, to the mental well-being of their staff, and to the physical safety of their staff too. So it is going to change the way that HR has to manage people within the business. If you're listening to this podcast, you likely already know why this acutely affects HR's agenda specifically. But Dan, I wondered if you might kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, so I think most will know now that the world of work is changing to what's being called stakeholder capitalism, where it's not just about driving huge profits, but driving benefits for everybody involved in the business from the customers to the community that that business is situated within to shareholders, of course, but also to staff. Work is increasingly being called for to be more sustainable and eco-friendly too. In fact, it is often the employee base that are calling for this. A recent Harvard Business School study found that 93% of employees wanted their company to lead with purpose. And HR are well positioned to lead here because they're often the link between people and the board. So know what their people want and can communicate this upwards. There's a really good example here of where HR have taken the lead in both placing say purposeful work or climate oriented work on the business agenda and then delivering it operationally within the business too it's something that l'oreal have done and we've done a deep dive on our migrate vine plus membership service around this and at l'oreal hr at the are at the center of their for the future program which specifically lays out sustainability and diversity goals here within that program hr's role is to communicate to staff these new sustainable and diverse purposes to create some goals around that because we all know metrics are really really important and to ensure everyone is on board in fact the chief hr officer for uk and ireland at l'oreal richard cross said that being a responsible employer is always central to the role of hr there we can read responsible for eco-friendly climate change oriented 
he thinks actually that HR well placed to do this within the business to take this role as they used to partnering with the experts, both internal and external to get things done. And they have a history as an auxiliary function with a finger on the pulse of what people want and their needs. So obviously, as businesses, and we hope they do do this, move towards being more climate oriented, they're well placed to support this change. Cross again, there's a really nice quote from him here said, I think the role of HR will fundamentally remain the same. That is doing all the stuff that they usually do, supporting, getting what employees want on the agenda, and then providing employee support, optimizing the organization for current and future needs and supporting the business through significant challenges. There I read, HR, of course, is at the center of, of the comms, the support, and the purpose-led initiatives that climate change management and mitigation from businesses are going to have to roll out. But I guess a lot will a lot of people who are listening to this will be thinking that it's it's such a multifaceted case. There's so much to consider. There's legalities, there's morality, there's we've already kind of talked a little bit about key stakeholders here. So I guess the big question is, what are those core things that HR should be diving into and considering when it comes to the climate change agenda? Yeah, so that is a really, really good question. So there might be a lot of companies thinking, well, we're not traditionally a purpose-led company or climate change still, still seems a bit abstract for me. It's not really affecting my business specifically or that would just be a lot of change to go through. And we've all got change management fatigue over the last 18 months, right, having to mitigate and change because of coronavirus. But there are going to be some law changes around this as well. So from 2025 in the UK, large enlisted businesses will have to disclose activities they are engaged in that constitute a climate threat. And this is going to be agreed upon at the COP26 later this year, that climate change conference. There's also opportunity as well. So it's not just about you going to have to get greener. There's talk of green investments for companies from government bonds and funding for low carbon technologies, potential opportunity there that HR might want to get on the agenda. And also a sense of the government really, really want to roll out financial incentives to businesses about being net zero regards carbon. However, I think there is a bit of a flip side around this. So you might think, yeah, that's for me. I want to now be a very, very green and purposeful company. However, if you set two big targets around that or don't follow through, you could be accused of by your employee base of greenwashing. And this actually damages both the engagement of your workforce and damages the employee brand, both internally and externally. I think we've seen a direct analogue in this in the George Floyd Black Lives Matter protests last year, when a lot of companies were very, very quick to jump on the bandwagon and say, yes, right, we're anti-racist, but they didn't have the receipts to cash and it caused a lot of disengagement there, not only employees, but in the customer base too. There's also the issue that if you make some bold pronouncements around climate, or so suddenly telling all their staff that say their KPIs now include green ones, you might not take everybody along for the journey because they feel that maybe they're undeliverable or they don't agree with them. And there's a really nice quote from the Deloitte Human Capital Trends report around like purpose and green initiatives here. We say your purpose here, if it becomes too eco too quickly and too big, could become a prison for you. And because that future is uncertain as well, you might not know what the big goal at the end is because we're in a very, very changeable world. So it's about taking that employee base along for the journey rather than creating, say, some massive, big, singular purpose, which is so abstract and so big, it does feel, as Deloitte said, like that prison and then nothing gets done and staff feel disengaged and like they can't be creative or bought into these things. However, those are some of the potential things that HR has to be aware of. If it gets this right, Kieran, 
what are the benefits to the business if it suddenly is like right we're climate purposeful we're doing this in the right way we're taking you along for the journey how does that affect the hr agenda yeah i'm going to pull out one thread specifically i think here and that is actually that workers have a very clear voice on how they feel about environmental issues and greater kind of corporate responsibility issues here so uh, on top of the obvious kind of morality issue, I think one of the key things is the impact on talent attraction and retention. So as you previously said, this has a massive impact on people's lives and their well-being, and that impacts work. And HR really, if we think about it, is kind of considered the ethical conscience of businesses. It's it's the de facto enforcer of those CSR initiatives. And data has overwhelmingly shown that, especially younger workers, but workers in general, really care about this. So a survey of 10,000 18 to 25 year olds in 22 countries found that climate change and pollution are the most important issues facing the world, according to Generation Z. Gen Z obviously is the up and coming generation in the world of work, uh, soon taking on more senior positions and, and maybe having more of a voice in the direction of companies when it comes to CSR and morality. More than three quarters of millennials consider a company's social and environmental commitments when choosing where they're going to work. And that's according to a Cone communication study. And the same percentage of millennials, in fact, around three quarters, say that they would, in fact, take a pay cut to work for a socially and environmentally responsible company. That is a huge amount of the workforce and, and an amount that will probably continue to increase who consider this their top priority. So, of course, this becomes increasingly difficult if leaders aren't on board in because they're the ones who have the greatest say in which direction that the company goes in, right? So, what is it or do you have any insight, Kieran, on how leaders are regards climate change at the moment? Yeah, so I completely understand that mindset. Some may presume that that is the big challenge here is justifying this to leaders. But actually, the the data on this is really quite surprising. Leaders are, for the most part, completely on board. They understand how essential this is. In fact, 70% are showing a greater commitment to tackling climate change. And that's increased so much in just two years. In fact, two years ago, it was just 44%. That's snowballing. More than half of UK-based CEOs are increasing their investment in sustainability and other ESG initiatives in the near future. And actually over half believe that they should be doing more to combat it and report the environmental impact of their business. And on top of that, you've got kind of customers and other key stakeholders here who who 
obviously are also very important in the decision-making process here, almost equally as important as justifying it to your C-suite. But actually 77% of consumers are motivated to purchase from companies committed to making the world a better place and very nearly the same amount. In fact, 73% of investors state that efforts to improve the environment and society contribute to their investment decisions. So this is really a very holistic approach here. All of these people have a real vested interest in making sure that this is a success. And if that comes down to HR, then you really could be in the driving seat of making a key difference here. Okay, so let me put this back to you, Kieran. What do you actually do then as a business? So what can HR roll out to ensure that it's not just an abstract purpose or goal that you're now a climate change oriented, you care about it company. What does that mean on the ground? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question, isn't it, really? The mind-blowing question. You've got this this giant ball of anxiety, probably, towards how to actually put this into effect in your company. But the truth is that there isn't just one grand initiative that's going to change this. And suddenly, as you say, you're a green company. That's just not how it works. It's about actually putting together numerous programs in place for your people to, to make a difference. So a really good example is creating a sustainability pledge or initiatives. Deloitte is a great example here. This week, we uh, reported on the fact that it's rolled out a new climate learning program for all of its over 300,000 workers across the globe. So that's an education piece, isn't it? It's about getting people into the mindset where they're considering this. They understand the threat that climate change poses and businesses place in that. And then even something as simple as considering how people are even getting into work is something that could make a big difference. So one thing that I always promote because I think it's a great idea is cycle to work schemes. If someone lives close enough that they can cycle into work, but they don't own a bike, why not put together a cycle to work scheme to get as many people as possible, not putting their foot behind a gas guzzling car or van or whatever, but instead pushing their bike to work. It's a great idea. So I guess with those schemes, what we've got there is a step plan for probably what HR's role is going to be going forward. It's going to be about understanding the impact of climate change, both outside of their business and how that impacts their um, workforces, psychological and mental well-being and also the practicalities of how they go about work. Of course, this will change industry to industry. Then we've got a look at responding to what employees increasingly want, which is action around climate change from their employer or potential employer. And then I guess we've got a ensuring that leaders understand this, creating structures of work that aren't inhibitive or not conducive to good business or good practice, but actually allow the firm to move towards, and it should be quickly, but done iteratively and flexibly towards a more climate friendly approach. And then you've just given us some examples. Again, they're just a few examples. I'm sure there are many more of what this means operationally and practically. So I think that's that's fairly conclusive, isn't it, Kieran? 
It is. And I'm going to I'm going to end here with with quite a hokey phrase, but I think it's actually a really good one to describe how to kind of address this. And that is that that first step into considering this, into making this part of your HR agenda, that first step is the biggest step, but it's also the best step. Do something small and you'll find that it snowballs. And that is the best thing that you could possibly do right now when it comes to your responsibility to bettering the world and to climate change. But unfortunately, that is all we have time for. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content, whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market-leading research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletters, which showcase solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please head to hrgrapevine.com.